Luke McKeever is CEO of OB10, and I caught up with him a few weeks ago to share and exchange views on the e-invoicing market. Luke explained OB10's new supply chain finance product, Express Payments, and then went on to describe some interesting views on OB10 and interoperability. It wasn't what I was expecting. How long has it been? Is it 12 months? No, I joined uh, OB10 in, in April 2011, so that was so just year. about 15 months. So what's the, what's the effectively the, the, the first year? What, what's, um, what's it been like for you? It's interesting. Someone said to me before I joined, e-invoicing, isn't, isn't that a bit boring? And I thought, well, if it's boring, as I look back now, then give me boring any time. Because yeah. the reality of boring is it's a must-do scenario, it's a must-do situation. So I think coming, coming in, my perception was, whether it was a misconception or otherwise, that electronic invoicing was about automation, it was about speed, it was about cost reduction, primarily from a sort of bio-organisation's perspective. And there was a green agenda. I thought the green agenda was a particularly captivating piece of the message for electronic invoicing moving towards digital documentation. What surprised me, I think, coming in 15 months in, having met many of our customers and lots of prospective customers and suppliers, is the green agenda doesn't really feature. And it, and it might be symptomatic of the climate today, that there are bigger fish to fry than the environment. But it's, I suppose it's a slightly disappointing, the only disappointing thing I could think of, really, is the fact that, that there are clients that, that care, but the majority of clients see that as a byproduct rather than a motivation for engaging in the programmes. I think that's interesting. Over the last, yeah, I think over the last two years, I've seen the same change. You know, it's, it's seeing the uh, the green agenda as being a driver for e-invoicing, and then realizing actually it's only scratching the surface. Businesses who really are serious about about that, that there's bigger things they can they they can do. But like you, seeing that evolution of um, e-invoicing being much more about cost reduction and efficiency. I mean, that's that's kind of the basic. It's it's really about what you can do once you get efficiency. It's, mm. it's much bigger. Yeah, and I think if you, I mean, we've obviously launched a service recently called Express Payments, which is designed to, to enable clients to, or suppliers to receive their funds more quickly than they would through a standard payment cycle. And I thought, I reflected on it, e-invoicing when I came in was a means to an end. It was an invoice, that's what we existed to do. When you realise that no business exists to raise an invoice, not one. No business exists particularly to send a product to someone else. They, resist, they exist to get paid. That's the sort of existent purpose of an organisation that they want to get paid. So an invoice is absolutely critical to that. And so, but it's not the end result. What people are doing invoices because they want to be paid. So I think as I understand where it fits within the, the order to cash or the procure to pay cycles, the invoice is critical but it's part of an ecosystem that we really have to fully understand and appreciate. So um, it's interesting to hear your perspective over the last 12 to 15 months. How do you think the next 12 to 15 months are going to pan out from an e-invoicing point of view? I suspect, I mean, I've heard this comment, and I hear this comment actually in almost every industry, we're at a tipping point. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced we're fully at a tipping point. I think we're coming towards a tipping point. A tipping point, I would say, is dictated by getting to 30% global adoption of 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 anything, any technology. And I think if we're at 20, we've got some some way to go until it's just over the hill and everybody does it. So I think the next 12 or 15 months... 
it, there's two two big trends. There's a bloody great land grab, and, and there is this kind of fight for voice in the lands in, in, in the market that we operate. With. I mean, do, do you see the, the the SAP acquisition of Ariba being part of that land grab? It's exclusively part of the land grab. It's about leveraging a dominant position in a buyer audience by ensuring that we've got. You know, a large number of buyer accounts and having a capability to offer to those buyer accounts that, that, that leverages that, that large position. So it's about getting scale quickly because the industry is in a state of flux. You mentioned uh, express payments. Now I've had a little look at, at, at this and I, I'm, I'm really intrigued, quite excited about this. This move from electronic invoicing to supply chain finance. Um, can you tell me a bit more about that? Well, I know this is a space that you've been involved with in, in, a, in a great deal of detail for the last 15 years, so I know you're an expert, so I don't want to preach anything that you don't already know. That said, I think that um, late payments or payments in a sort of 60 to 90 day window, if you go forward 5, 10 years, you will be an anathema, but be unacceptable. Early payment, as we perceive it today, will be the norm. Let, let's remind ourselves why it even happens. It happens because people have arcane, net internal processes at the buyer side that mean they need 30 to 60 to 90 days to process those payments. Now, what's happened, of course, in the introduction of the invoicing is a lot of organisations are very aware of what they owe at a very early stage, you know, days. And express payments for me is, a, is simply a bridge. It's a bridge to the inevitable uh, move towards buyers paying earlier and earlier over time. So there'll be a window, and that window may even be 20 years, but there's a 10-year to 20-year window where express payments bridges the delta between old processes and old ways of paying and, current, and the, the new way of ensuring that people get paid very, very quickly because there's no excuse not to. We, we all know there are certain purchases that happen where it's important the product gets delivered, it's checked, it's quality checked, and then payment is made. But there's also an awful lot of stuff where that isn't the case, and the early payment's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing more about um, about express payments as it continued to... Um, in fact, has it been launched? Yet? It was launched, it went live on July the 6th. We have our first client signed up for it now, and we've, had, we've processed our first transactions. What we've discovered is in, in, in promoting this service into our existing customer base largely is that there are some loops, process loops that have to go that they have to go through on their side, whether they are you know, some changes to the payee in the ELP mm -hmm. system, that's no small task in some in some organizations' case. Um, they may be something looking at the accounting practices to moving the debt. That's something that needs some, some review. I think it's a less of an issue when people really investigate it, but it takes a little while and they've had to check that through. Um, and then there's just a case of how they use their own funds in relation to third-party funding, which is another debate. So we're moving into a new terrain with new new individuals within buyer organisations, but the appetite for it is outstanding, as you'd expect. And I think the value is so well balanced between the buyer and the supplier that we can see a great opportunity in Express Payments. Luke and I chatted for quite some time about Express Payments, and I think this is something that we're going to revisit again in the future. But I wanted to ask Luke about something else. Interoperability. I think if you move forward in that period alongside the benefits we're going up, existing clients and new prospects will see, is our philosophy of interoperation, which has been in existence for many years, 
we'll get another injection of energy because we think that interoperation is going to be key to building a supplier-centric and buyer-value business model. So we have to make sure that the buyers get as many suppliers connected and if somebody's already connected to another system, we need to encourage the use in a, in a way that will be um, beneficial to both sides of the chain. But we also need to make sure that if somebody is already connected to 10, we enable them to send invoices through to other systems. So there'll be a big focus on an intermediary model as we go forward over the next 18 months, and making sure that the payment models and the technical model works well, well enough to support growth and interoperation. My challenge today, and our challenge, the industry's challenge, is I don't think there's one common standard. As much as people say there's a brilliant standard that's built out of European government, it isn't brilliant today. It doesn't work for all purposes. It was built for the public sector and transferring that into the commercial sector isn't necessarily going to be the answer. But could it become that with a bit of fine tuning and some assistance? Possibly. So we need to overcome some of the technical, the gateways, the, the standardization, the documents. And if we can overcome that, I think we want to do that. And that provides for an environment that's got value in both sides of the supply chain.